welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you're planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're sharing everything we know about camping in and around the national parks. Ready to get this show on the road? My tea has been steeped and it smells delicious and I think I'm ready to talk all about everything. Thank goodness. Every single topic. Yeah, so Actually, why don't just you one topic. Why don't you tell people first what we were up to this weekend? Okay, two topics. That's yeah, fine with me. Because we introduced it last week. We said you were going to this conference yeah. in Milwaukee. I was tagging along just to have some fun riding solo while you were all alone, uh, or while you were doing the conference. Uh, so all how alone was it? with many other people. It was amazing. It was so wonderful. And I did it. That's the big thing. Like, I did it. I felt this huge boost of confidence because this was really stepping outside of my comfort zone. And you know this, but everybody else may not know this, <laughs> that it's it was really a tough hurdle for me to get over and to to think about you know even just regardless of who these other people were just walking into a room full of strangers and striking up a conversation um and then you know putting in the fact that these strangers were super successful women entrepreneurs in the travel industry <laughs> it was very intimidating but at first the second i got to the conference like everything kind of just faded away. Like it was it was super welcoming. Everybody was extremely encouraging, extremely helpful, very validating. I think it made more than anything it made me realize that we're doing good. Like what we're doing right now is really good. And we are experts in this, you know, national park arena. And because we have been to all of the national parks, that's a huge thing that sets us apart from other people, I think. Yeah, and I was really proud of you the whole time. Aw, thanks, babe. You, I, I know it, you were nervous and you were a little uh, unsure how it was all going to go. Um, but I know once you start talking to people, they always love you and you are just super interesting. Everybody wants to hear what you've done and... Um, I think, you know, it's no wonder people um, want to talk to you because I want to <laughs> talk to you too all the time. Like once a week on the podcast? Yeah, right. We don't talk other than this, guys. Right. Just kidding. <laughs> no, so it, it was awesome to hear about the amazing connections you made after each day, the awesome sessions you got to learn from, the... Um, cool swag you got to you oh, got yeah. and the <laughs> oh yeah yeah can uh, we just talk for a second about how amazing Milwaukee is too we did not realize that this this city was really cool and it's only six hours away from St. Louis so we drove in Friday morning we we um, arrived we went straight to the pub the Milwaukee public market and then walked around there we walked down to the lake to Lake Michigan we walked around outside of the Discovery Center and the Art Museum and then just walked around downtown, walked along the Riverwalk um, and made this like nice little loop that really wasn't very much effort to see a lot of a lot of the city all at once. And then over the next two days, I actually got to do a ton of stuff in yeah, the so city. Yeah, so really quick list off the things that you did. Went to the Milwaukee Art Museum. Uh, went to Harley-Davidson Museum, which is the headquarters of Harley-Davidson, went to Pabst uh, uh, Mansion and Pabst like, Best Place Brewery, where the old Pabst Brewery was of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer, um, went to Miller Brewery. So, yeah, just You didn't... went to the Miller Park to the baseball game. Yeah. To the I Cardinals game. 
just happened to be there the same time as the Cardinals, which was awesome. So check them out at Miller Park. Knocked another ballpark off my list. So I had a great time, too. It's okay. I had already been there. Yeah. And I got to do the Harley-Davidson Museum also as part of the opening party um, for Wits. And we also, so the biggest highlight for me was um, hanging out with Allison from Happy People Hike. Um, and she, we've been working with her and her husband, Dan, for a while now. Um, they were one of our first, you know, gear sponsors who sent us some stuff. And we, we've posted about them a few times. But we, I loved hanging out with her. And we went to dinner on Saturday night at a place called Safe House, which had a password to get in. And of course, we didn't know the password. So they, the, the like bouncer made us do all this made us like act like frogs and and then finally let us in (laughs) and it was so cool and there was a there was about a 40 minute wait for our table so we went to one of the bars was a magic bar so of course we went to the magic bar and watched the magician and got a little drink and um and then got food and it was really good it's really hard to explain the coolness of this place it's just totally spy themed and you've got uh, an american part and a soviet part and like telephone booths that you go into and you get some secret instructions and you use a code name to reserve your table all of the waitresses and waiters had code names ours was bubbles (laughs) yeah so people kept saying hey bubbles (laughs) so check it out it was fun um you know my favorite part though what was when you told me how you rolled your eyes during the conference why don't you tell people about that? Guys, Cole's right about <laughs> so much, and it was so annoying. Explain. Why Do don't I have you? to explain? Yeah. So every time I heard someone give the advice of like, you sh- you need to have a LinkedIn account. You need to do more networking. What was the other big thing? You need to uh, have business cards. Yeah, I knew that, though. Y- you need to... Um, there's one other big thing. Yeah. Oh, just get oh, on the phone, phone with people. phone calls. Yeah. Every time you pitch to it to someone, you need to say, let's talk on the phone. And I never do that because I don't want to talk on the phone to anybody. But apparently I need to start doing that. And Cole was right, guys. Womp womp. <laughs> anyway. Can we move on to a segment where Cole's not right? <laughs> Is that a good segue? <laughs> yeah, I thought the, I was hoping you would make that perfect segue. So bring it on. It's time for Parks in the News. Okay, so before we start this, I want to just give a little uh, disclaimer about parks in the actual news, which are super depressing. And every time I find some information for this Parks in the News, I usually have to scroll past a few that are like, the administration is uh, um, demoting national, or like taking away national monuments. Like, I we could talk about those things. Probably we should talk about those things at some point. But before we do that, we really want to make sure our thoughts are gathered and all of our information is correct. So instead, we're going to talk about something more fun. Yeah. Also, we need to do some digging because, you know, there are sensationalist headlines out there. So we need to make sure we have our facts straight and the newspapers have their facts straight. Uh, But it was an interesting and quite alarming headline, at least, talking about demoting Bear Ears National Monument and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument in Utah. Yeah, so we do, just so you guys know, we know this. <laughs> we have, like, we're not, like, oblivious to the the park, the actual parks of the news, but we do want to keep this a little bit lighter and more fun um, because that's what we want to do. So here are, here's the quiz for today. Ready, Cole? Okay, so this was a, let me see who put this out. Uh, the Lincoln Journal Star. So I don't know really what that is, but they, um, acquired all of this data about the the most popular national park in each state so the national park site in each state and i know i thought we had done something similar to this before but this was all new stuff and this was from 2016 are you ready ready bring it on don't look at my list here's a 
an easy one for you. Okay, I'll name the state. You tell me the most popular national park site. California. Golden Gate National Recreation Area. Correct. At 15.6 million visitors in 2016. Okay. And also, pointing this out, we, I, I have either been to or have it in the plans to go to like the the near plans all of these places fyi okay so um michigan the most popular park in michigan yes oh oh this is gonna be a lightning round sort of thing yeah i gotta go with sleeping bear dunes correct i thought that might have tricked you uh 1.6 million okay um pennsylvania Geez, Pennsylvania, Gettysburg is there. Um, there aren't any national parks there. There's also the Liberty, uh, like the Independence National Historic Park. So that's what I'm going with, Independence National Historic Park. Good job. Oh, man, I got to save some that I can trick you with. <laughs> uh, I was going through this and I was like, oh, that's way too hard. That's way too hard. Maybe I should have just pulled out the hard ones. Um, yeah, correct. So I have been there. It includes the Liberty Bell and also some other sites. Um, that was 5 million people. Okay. Texas. Ooh. Texas. Well, you said you've been there, so that gives me a clue for sure. Um, ooh. Is it the one down south, like along the coast? Because I, I don't think... I don't think it's Big Bend, and I don't think it's Guadalupe. Those are the two national parks in Texas. Um, but the one down south, I can't remember what it's called. And this is a lightning round. Try to remember. Uh-oh. <laughs> that means I'm right. Um, I, I don't know. He's not right. Okay. Try to Remember. Remember. The Alamo. Oh, the uh, Alamo. So San Antonio Missions the, the, National Historic Park, 1.3 million visitors. And I've been there. You have not. Interesting. Correct? Yeah, another okay. one. Wow. Um, all right. Uh, Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas would... Uh, well, there's Hot Springs National Park. Um, there's also the Bill Clinton National, uh, like, uh, National Historic Site, which we went to randomly. Uh, there's the TikTok. river, yeah. So I'm, I gotta <laughs> say, I gotta say, Hot Springs National Park. No, oh. sorry, it's the Buffalo National River. Yeah, that's, I, I was gonna say that. Although those three that you named, I've been to all of those too. Well, yeah, because we went together. We went to Bill Clinton together. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I went with my family when I was younger too. Sure you did. Okay, <laughs> New Mexico. New Mexico. Easy peasy. <sighs> Lemon. Cheesy. Uh, well, That's not a hint. Now you're, now you're really <laughs> making me double think it. Uh, Carlsbad is there. Um, I'm going to say Carlsbad Caverns. <laughs> no, sorry. I thought this White was, Sands? Yeah, White Sands. Oh. 550,000. Um, Arkansas, Buffalo River was 1.8 million, by the way, if I didn't say that. Wisconsin. Ooh, Wisconsin only has two, which was surprising. We looked it up the yep. other day. Yep. So I've got to say that's Apostle Islands. Incorrect. National Lakeshore. This is no? so much fun. Oh. It's more fun now. Um, <laughs> it's St. Croix. Oh, that, that doesn't even count. River. It's it does split be between Minnesota and Wisconsin. I know, but the headquarters are in Wisconsin. Oh. That's how they determined Yellowstone. Okay. Okay. Ooh, don't look. One more. Alaska. Um, Klondike. Gold Rush. National Historic Park. Yes. How did you know that? Uh, I kind of saw it by accident. Cheater. <laughs> Cheater. I would have probably guessed Denali, though. I definitely would have guessed yeah. Denali, but cruise ships. Yeah. That's what I'm right. going to say. Because some of the cruise ships do go to Glacier Bay, but not all of them. All of them, I think, go to Skagway, which is where Klondike Gold Rush is. 912,000 people. Um, I do have one more, and that was Iowa. 
Ooh. Do you know that one? Well, <laughs> I know there's the Herver- Herbert Hoover National Historic Site, which is, we've been to, and I don't know any others, I don't think. So I've got to go with old Herbert. Correct. Yes. This is how much people love the national parks in Iowa. Because it, at the most, it was the most visited site and it had 152,000 visitors in 2016. I think there's probably been more to our house since then. <laughs> the Donaldson Historic National Historic Site. Um, okay, Cole. Now that that fun little game is over, hopefully everybody got to play along at home. Are you ready to dive into our topic of the day, which is a deep, deep dive? Deeper than we've divin... Divin. Divin. Definitely not divin. Yeah. (laughs) What is the word? Dove. Dove. Have dove. Dived. Dived. Yeah. It's a deep dive. Deeper (laughs) than all the dives before. (laughs) Because we have talked a lot about National Park camping before, but this is the most comprehensive overview that we will give you of National Park Camping 101. Are you ready? Yeah. So we'll say that we previewed it last week a little bit when we talked about budgeting and finding tricks to save money in the national parks and talked about BLM camping. Uh, But you can go back and listen to that one with Redwoods and um, Capitol Reef. Yeah, we talked to, we, because that is the biggest way probably to save money when you're visiting the national parks. The largest expense you'll probably have is lodging. And so what better way to save on lodging than to camp, right? For real. And what an amazing way to experience the park, the true park, the true, you know, park after dark and seeing the park, the whole gamut of the park from morning until night. It's just a very different experience than driving in and leaving it. Yeah, or even, I would argue, this might be controversial, than staying in an RV. Um, because we have a lot of great friends that stay in RVs, and that's great. It's very, you know, some are very comfy, and we're very jealous. But <laughs> um, when we did, we're planning our trip, we made a very conscious decision to tent camp in every park to make that our goal we stuck to it and Except, we felt like well, we almost stuck well, to it. well yeah Minor so there were exceptions. ones like american samoa where we couldn't camp uh, it wasn't allowed and a few other exceptions but um that we felt really gave us the full experience of the park being able to be immersed in the outdoors with at most a thin sheet of nylon in between you and everything out there. And to be fair, that's our definition of full immersion. Everybody has a different definition. We are just going to share why we enjoy our definition of immersion (laughs) the best. Sure. (laughs) Because it's our opinion. Let's start with... But first, we're going to, just so you know, we're structuring this post slightly differently because usually we talk about one park fully and then we talk about the second park fully. Today we're going to talk about each option and then, you know, cover it completely and then talk about how we experience that option in Guadalupe Mountains and then Badlands National Parks. Um, Then at the end we'll share some of general highlights from those parks. Yeah, and there are four camping options that we have identified as probably the most common. And the first one is regular old park campgrounds. In the park campgrounds, this is probably the most common um, option that we utilized last year, wouldn't you say? Definitely. Definitely. We wanted wanted to sleep in the park if possible. There were a lot of times when we slept outside of the park for strategic reasons, um, usually budget-wise or (laughs) occupancy-wise, like occupied within the park. Um, but always tried to get in the park for at least a night. Yes. So park campgrounds, most of the time they're run just by the park, by park volunteers. They're pretty, they're fairly bare-boned compared to other private parks, campgrounds you might experience. Sometimes they're run by Airmark or Zantera, two of the main park concessionaires. Those are tend to be a little more expensive and with 
more amenities, sometimes even showers. Mesa Verde, what, what? Yeah, that spoiled us early on, and <laughs> we did. did not. That was our second national park. We did not appreciate park. that nearly then, as yeah. much as we should have. When was the second shower after our second national park? It might have been Verde? Virgin Islands. Okay, which was like number like six months later, eighteen or something. Yeah. Well, no, more than that, like twenty-one. And that was like an outdoor like rinse off your salt water shower that wasn't i mean we used it for everything but that wasn't like uh yeah anyway the point is these campgrounds have lots of different uh variety of amenities the flush toilets sometimes or pit toilets um water sometimes not water they are typically between 10 to 30 dollars per night and that's for a bare tent site no electricity more for an rv with hookups and electricity and water and that type of stuff Um, if that's available a lot of times the rv sites will be the same because they don't they're just bare bone also so they they might look a little different they might not have a tent a tent pad like here we're going to talk about um guadalupe it was the same for a tent site or an rv like parking lot um basically but yeah, so always be prepared with water um, because, or at least know when you're going up to the national park whether or not your campground will have water because that's not always a guaranteed. Sometimes um, in the off season, they'll turn the water off and then and those times the, the price might be a little bit cheaper. But always be prepared. Always know whether or not the campground is a first come, first serve. Oh, excuse me. Got a bubble in my throat. Hey, bubbles. <laughs> uh, always know whether it's reservable or first come, first serve. Sometimes campgrounds have like a section of each. So just do your research. Tons of information on the NPS sites about all of these things. Uh, but And regardless, it's a good idea to arrive early enough in the day to kind of set up in the light, <laughs> right? That's totally the advice we always right. followed. <laughs> yeah, I think we didn't set up in the light until the maybe fifth day like of day our five. yeah of our trip. Mm-hmm. The first four or five nights we didn't get there till dark because we were traveling so late. Um, anyway, it is easier to set up a tent in the light, but if you do it enough in the dark, you get pretty good at it. Um, so yeah, then plan your route ahead of time. You don't want to do too much backtracking to get to different trailheads and attractions. So make sure you're picking your campsite strategically. If you have different options within the park, because a park like Yellowstone, you can pick between, you know, five different official campgrounds. So, um, and that's one, that's a general tip for visiting the national parks is that there's way more driving than you realize. And so if you can if you can make it any kind of loop, like do, you know, two nights here, two nights, two nights at this this campground, then one night at this campground as you're making your way through the park in some sort of orderly fashion, that's going to be best. So plan ahead, plan ahead, plan ahead. Also, don't ever expect a shower like ever, like ever. Yeah, I think you covered that one already. But I didn't. I, I think it needs to be reiterated because okay. it is not something that I necessarily expected. I kind of expected, oh, like all the campgrounds I've been to, all the KOAs and whatnot growing up, always had a shower. So I'm going to have showers. Nope, never. Um, baby wipes, dry shampoo on hand. Good good call. It's a good call for life. <laughs> really. So Guadalupe Mountains, Guadalupe Mountains has two different uh, official park campgrounds. One is Pine Creek Campground, which is $8 per night. First come, first serve, 39 sites, no hookups or dump stations, um, but there are running water and flush toilets. That is the main campground where we stayed at. It's at the headquarters. It's at the base of Guadalupe Peak Trailhead. It was very pretty. Yeah. Very nice sites, um, but not very many. I think they had 19 tent sites and 20 RV sites. or It was pretty equal. 
Um, but I think we got one of the last ones. Yeah, we had and, to take a handicapped one because yeah, yep. is it w- at the end of the day when nobody else has taken one, you're allowed to for the last, you know, if, if it's the last spot. But uh, yeah, it, that's one of the rare times we had to do that. There's another campground on the north side of the park called Dog Canyon. Um, far less popular. Only 13 sites. So that's like nine tent sites and four RV sites, I think. Eight. It's also $8 a night, first come, first serve. No hookups, no dump station, but it does have running water and flush toilets. So if you're interested in exploring the north side of the park, if you're driving there, you have to drive around. There's no road through the park. Um, but that's definitely an option as well. Yeah, and we didn't get all the way around there because we just connected straight over to Carlsbad Caverns without going to the backside of Guadalupe. But uh, it would it did sound really cool, mainly because you could access some trails that got you into the mountains a lot quicker than you could on the front side of the park near the visitor center. And it just seemed like devoid of all human uh, kind. Yeah, Guadalupe Mountains is a really under-the-radar national park in general. Um, really cool, but yeah, you're not going to experience too many crowds, um, but it is a good idea still. The campgrounds are small, so they will fill up. Um, Badlands, moving on to Badlands. So this was actually, so Guadalupe Mountains we visited in February, I believe, of 2016, Badlands was June of 2016. So here are the in-park campground options for Badlands. The main campground is called Cedar Pass. It's a developed campground. It has 96 sites. It's $22 a night for a bare site for two people, plus $4 per person beyond those two people. Or it does have electric, um, which is $37 a night. It's reservable, which is handy for planning ahead. Um, it it only has limited access in the winter, so part of the sections, I think, are closed. It does have flush toilets, running water, picnic tables, but no showers, of course. <laughs> um, and then there are some group sites available. We did not stay at Cedar Pass. Instead, we took this really cool option, which was not something that was common in the national parks at all, but this park had an interesting campground. Yeah, it was called Sage Creek, and it's more in the interior of the park, a little towards the south unit, um, and yeah, the west of the west of the park. Yeah, thanks. And it's just on a gravel road, makes it a little tougher to get to, um, but it's free, so that made up for a lot of deficiencies. Um, when you don't have to pay for it. And there were even pit toilets. There were actually covered picnic tables. It was first come, first serve, but rarely fills to capacity. We actually got there late at night, our first day, go figure, because we were traveling up until night. And, you know, we got there first come, first serve. You don't know what you're going to get or find. Uh, So we just kind of stumbled around and realized that there aren't actually campground sites or stalls or anything. Um, You just, there's a big field in the middle of this big circle uh, drive, basically, and you can go into that field wherever you want and plop down your tent and park along the circle. Yeah, so more importantly, we just found a spot to park and then looked at where the camp, the other tents were, and kind of found a vantage point that was like furthest away from all the other tents, you know, somewhere in the middle, and uh, pitched our tent, and everything was fine. We were able to get a picnic table in the morning to eat breakfast, and I think we were there two nights. Yep. I believe two nights, and it's free. So use this as an option. They also have horse like hookups <laughs> if you, th- there is like a horse section if that's what you're doing riding horses okay the second option you have when you go to the national parks that we also utilized often was backcountry camping so when you do this one the key is to plan it out pretty well in advance you uh, you know 
need to seem like you know what you're doing when you go to the visitor center, talk with a ranger about getting a permit because sometimes they'll give you the stink eye if you're just asking them, oh, so let's, we want to go camping somewhere. What do we do? Um, no, it yeah, helps, they don't like that. <laughs> helps a lot to have an idea what you want to do. Um, most of the time you will need a permit. Some places don't require one at all. Including Badlands. Yeah, actually. Um, but the permit is almost always cheaper than an actual campground site. So that backcountry camping is therefore very economical. Uh, there are are usually designated areas in each park where you can and cannot backcountry camp. So don't just go stomping off the trail and put down your tent wherever you think uh, is good. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, always. And then just a general tip going along with that, when you do kind of go off on your own into the wilderness, whether you have somebody with you or not, always let somebody know where you are because that's just a good safety tip going into these remote places. And let someone other than the ranger know because you'll you'll write down your information for the ranger. But I, I remember we were at Great Basin National Park and we were filling out a permit and um, the, the ranger was like, oh, just come in and stop by and tell us where you're, tell us that you're back. But if you don't, no one's going to come looking for you. Like, honestly, we don't really care. <laughs> and it was honest and it was kind of nice that they were being honest. But that's kind of true. Like, they're not necessarily going to track down everybody who, um, because when they fill out a permit, it's not like there's, u- there's usually not like a check back in system where you let them know that they're back. Now, if you're missing for a week and your, your parents call the station, they kind of know the area you were. That helps. But it's also just good practice to let someone who cares about you (laughs) know when you'll be back. So anyway, that's just a general tip. Um, Also, don't forget to bring lots of water and several treatment options. So like a backup. We always bring iodine tablets just in case our our Sawyer water filter breaks down. Um, Anyway, so backcountry in Guadalupe, Guadalupe Mountains is a free permit it's required though so you'll need to go to the visitor center and get a permit and what we did there are lots of options throughout guadalupe mountains a lot of the trails intersect so it's possible to make different loops out of them there are designated campgrounds in the backcountry that i believe you're required to stay at one of the designated campgrounds um but they're all free um what we did we started around the visitor center we hiked up Bear Canyon Trail to the bowl. It's called the bowl and it's um really cool like flat area at the top of the mountains. It's it's a good like 2500 maybe even 3000 foot um ascent. Yeah, it's and- very steep, very tough, not easy to get up. The Bear Canyon Trail seemed forever long. <laughs> it was a tough trail. Um but when we got up, we set up our tent and we had the most gorgeous sunset of maybe the whole trip. Wow. That's and saying I something. didn't even see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I was sick. But the pictures are amazing. Yeah. I traipsed over a little ways, just kind of into the mountains. Got, uh, they're just really beautiful views once you're up there, you know, eye line with the mountains. Um, because you are just camping on top of them. You're camping, you know, either in the bowl on the, or on the edge of the bowl, and the bowl is just a little depression area in the top, like almost a plateau within all of the mountains. Um, so just a really, really cool area. And then my favorite, though, was going down the other side. I thought the Tejas Trail that we used to loop back to the visitor center where we started was really really cool um well yeah it's always more fun to go down trails than up them don't you know me at all (laughs) i had way more fun right and i was so sick yeah you poor thing we were i i was like climate sick from we had flown in from american samoa 
where it was 90 degrees and humid and then drove straight to hot springs where it was we were sleeping in like 23 degree weather so and that didn't hottest of the trip to the coldest of the trip and um i was kind of feverish and sick through big bend and then that continued on to guadalupe mountains anyway because That's they were all little, uh, they were all cold excuse. nights. They were all the this was a really cold night too, up yeah. in the mountains. Down in the campground was really nice because lower elevation. Up in the mountains was freezing. Yeah, and another quick option, if we weren't super sick, we would have gone on the next day to uh, as we hiked up Guadalupe Peak Trail, there's a place you can camp along the trail. And that's what we were thinking of doing because... Well, we were going to go halfway, you know, we, we were going to come down the Tejas Trail and then go straight up the Guadalupe Peak Trail because there's no way to connect these because it's all like different peaks. Um, and then we were going to go like halfway up the Guadalupe Peak Trail camp and then the next morning go the full way up. Instead, we were not feeling that. So we just camped at the campground again for $8 dollars. The next day, we just did the Guadalupe Peak Trail up and back in one day, which was probably, well, for sure, my favorite trail of this park. Yeah, don't... And my favorite moment of this park was standing... It's the top of Texas. It's the highest point in Texas, basically New Mexico, so it's kind of like sort of cheating, but it was... um, It's an amazing view and a really cool feeling to be at the top yeah so definitely don't skip guadalupe peak trail um badlands though there are a number of backcountry options in badlands no permit required there are some limitations because there is private land so you have to be careful about what you know land you're wandering onto because there's not necessarily a good markation of what land is what um, but the area where we would really recommend, if you can, is go to Sheep Mountain Table, which is in the south unit, and really, really surprised us with, first of all, just how gorgeous it was. You get up, you drive to the south unit, which is much less heavily visited than the famous, popular, easily accessible north unit, and you drive up onto this plateau, you see a lot of, um, basically you get to the edge of the plateau and you can look out and see all of this, um, all of these hoodoos. Hoodoos, it looks like Bryce yeah. Canyon, and it, but it, wider. <laughs> it, exactly, it was just super uh, stark, breathtaking, huge um, cliffs and this big canyon area. Very different than the other section of Badlands, like worth going to because it's a little different. Um, It did, I think it requires four-wheel drive if you want to go all the way back, but we just went as far as our car could go and we walked probably half a mile at the most. No, I think we could have, no, we went all the way back. Did we go all the way back? Yeah, yeah. I think maybe we were told that we couldn't go all the way back. Right. Okay. But you can. You <laughs> Sometimes. Can. And we had high clearance. Usually. And that was it. And we actually found a backpacker article that gave us a suggested route to kind of find on your own a way to backpack in the Badlands. And we tried to follow that. Um, and it told you to go down the plateau, hike down, pick your way down at this specific spot. And we could never find that spot. We couldn't find that spot, and we were climbing down through all this poison ivy, and I was freaking out. And all these thorns and everything. I was getting all scratched up, too. And we didn't really have a, like a specific route that we were following, and I was getting so frustrated because I knew it was going to be tough to like find our way out if it was that tough to find our way in. And what we should have done is just talk to a ranger and get really specific information um, based on this backpacker article that we pulled out of the magazine. But we know for next time. Right. I'd like to go back and do it. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. And uh, so we ended up not doing the backcountry there. Um, but if you are able to go there, you can either camp you know, randomly on the plateau or if you're a little more savvy than us, find a way down the cliff and get down into the like within the hoodoos and hike around there wherever you want. 
So that's a cool option. Sure. Um, option number three for camping in the national parks, and this is not in the national parks. This would be adjacent to the national parks, would be um, BLM, so Bureau, Bureau of Land Management, and National Forest Land. So usually land that's around the national parks is protected by these two agencies. Um, most of the time it's free to camp just about anywhere on this land. And we talked about this a little bit last episode with our experiences, again, in Redwood. And well, Redwood was not BLM. Yes, thank you. Redwood was in the park. In Capitol Reef. Capitol Reef That's was when we BLM talked about land. It. And those were successful. What was not successful was when we tried to do it in Guadalupe Mountains. Yeah, and we did specifically talk to a, a ranger at the visitor center about where would be anywhere around the park that's free BLM camping. Because I think we were going from the main area of the park to McKittrick Canyon, I believe. Right. Or maybe but maybe from there to Carlsbad. I don't remember. Um, but we, I do remember that we couldn't find it. <laughs> so they kind of told us the specific road to go on and then the specific place where you can pull over and camp. Everywhere we kind of like pulled over, there were these clear signs that said no camping. And so we were not confident enough to like just park there and camp so we went on and found a different place i guess we went on to carlsbad yeah i think so and and that's the risk you run if you're trying to do blm or national forest camping is that yes it's free and yes it's you know remote but it can also be very ambiguous there it might not be very clear signs at all you you know it might be kind of worried that you're not in the right place and you know some people might take issue with that if they (laughs) find you there no no i'm just saying like that's a worry we had at certain points for sure Um, and like we said we couldn't find a place that we are confident in near the rattlesnake canyon area of guadalupe mountains so um or i think that was like a national the name of a national forest or something so or a blm unit so we didn't go there and we had to abandon it and we had to find uh make a different plan on the fly yeah my advice would be to talk to the rangers about what you're doing also look up i know we did this several times was to look up free camping i think it's just freecamping.com they list like all dot net dot net okay all the all the walmarts all of the um national forest land all the blm land all of the like random parking lots you can you can camp in. Um, it's mostly RV um, centered, but that would be a great thing, a resource to look at for sure. Badlands. Now we did camp in BLM or National Forest Land. It was called Black Hills National Forest, and this was actually near Rapid City, so not quite around the Badlands. More when we were moving on to like to visit Wind Cave and Mount Rushmore and Custer State Park. So it's more in that area west of Rapid City, but still really cool, really cool camping. One of the more one of the prettier more scenic sites that we camped at. Yeah, and what we did was we just kind of looked at Google Maps. There's a big green area. We kind of made sure we were in that area. I think there was also a sign, one of the brown signs that say you're in the National Forest. Um, and then we just found a dirt road we found, and it was, I think it was an ATV like trailhead and there was a big like pullover area and we just pulled over there. There was nobody else there, but it seemed like someone had camped there before. That's kind of our general, um, confirmation that it's probably a good place to camp. And so that's what we did. I wish I remembered the name of the road, but I tried looking at the maps and racking my brain. And I didn't remember, but I know that once you're in the National Forest, pull off the paved road, find a little gravel road or something, and then it'll be somewhat obvious where you can camp from there. Yep. Finally, the fourth option, private campgrounds. We're not going to really talk about these because um, they're somewhat obvious. They're not in the parks. Pros would be that they usually have more amenities. They usually have showers. A lot of times they have Wi-Fi. Laundry. Laundry a lot of times, yes. 
Um, and sometimes they're just as cheap as the, the national park campgrounds. So we definitely utilize this option throughout our trip. Not not at, very often. Not too often. Not at Guadalupe Mountains and not at Badlands, though. Um, cons, of course, are it's not in the park, so it's usually further away from the entrance. Most of the time, it's less scenic than in the parks, and sometimes it's more, much more expensive. And it seems like you're usually packed in there with a lot of other people because yeah. there's not a big area of land. It's not spread out. So if you want a little more you know, scenic experience, but also um, less crowded experience. Sometimes we diff- didn't mind that. So a couple yeah. times when we wanted a KOA, that was like our splurge. <laughs> When we would get to go to a KOA and do laundry and have a hot shower and go go to like the game room and, and everything like that, get coffee in the morning. Um, but most of the time we chose to camp inside the park as much as as much as we could. Right. So those are the four main options for camping in and around the national parks, your park campgrounds, your um your backcountry campgrounds, your BLM and National Forest land, and your private campgrounds. So with those covered, we're just going to quickly hit our highlights for Guadalupe Mountains and Badlands just to get that out of our system as well. We've talked about a lot of them already. We'll do lightning round here. So Guadalupe Mountains highlights, of course, Guadalupe Peak, the tallest uh, point in Texas, and gorgeous views. McKittrick Canyon, which, how would you describe McKittrick Canyon? A really flat trail, so if you want like a flatter, um, easier trail. Most of the trails in Guadalupe Peak rise up about 3,000 feet, which are very difficult. So if you want something that's a little easier but still has a lot of good views, It's one of your few options (laughs) for that. Um, We had several awesome sunsets in Guadalupe Mountains. That was a highlight. The campground itself is very scenic. Um, we love that it was close proximity to its sister park, Carlsbad Cavern. So it had a nice, it's a nice road trip park for families and for people who want to hit multiple parks on the same trip. And then finally, we met um, some, some people we had been maybe slightly stalking online who were visiting all the national parks. We happened to run into them at Guadalupe Mountains. And that was Eva and Jordan from, I believe it's Eva and Jordan Go um dot com it's a tumblr account and they visited all 59 or no all 40 47 or something in the lower 48 yeah in the contiguous u.s yeah um and they're awesome and if you find them say hi go say hi to them yeah it's really funny because we're just camping in the the campground uh i i had woken up but i was still laying in the tent and just heard some people talking to a um, an older guy a couple of feet away at the parking spot saying like he was asking how are you kids all able to get away in the middle of the week shouldn't you be working and they said any people like that they said actually we are taking off a year to visit a bunch of national parks Uh, so my ears perked up and I went over and uh, you know talked to them and they told us told told us all about their story and we actually um, had connected at one point on online so we realized they were some people we had seen uh, and it was really fun just sharing that experience because it's not often that you meet people doing something similar to and what this you was are. very random. This was not planned. So that right. was even more special. In Badlands, highlights that we had, of course, the free camping at Sage Creek was amazing. Um, we loved all of the short trails that we did around the main area of the park. There was the door trail and the ladder trail, or the, the door, the window, and then the, the notch trail was our favorite, which is the tall ladder that you might have seen on, it's very Instagram, Instagrammable. Um, and then... Sheep Table Mountain area, which we mentioned, which is in the south unit. And then sunsets along the scenic drive at night, if you can stick around long enough. And prairie dog towns. Prairie dog towns. And uh, the buffalo. The buffalo. the bison. Especially that one time when we saw those sunsets, 
um, and we are driving along the scenic drive, we saw these buffalo just go into town rubbing themselves on these posts. Mm-hmm. Um, n- not rubbing themselves at another way that I... Th- what are you talking <laughs> about? It's too late. Let's no. stop where, while we're ahead. <laughs> no, they were just really Smith scratching. Because, <laughs> no, they, they obviously had a big itch. So it's just funny that they were itching themselves on these... So funny. The fence posts. Anyway. <laughs> I love... Oh my gosh. I love the fact that this is a huge national park hub in the Midwest. It's probably the biggest in the Midwest, and it's really awesome. I thought it was maybe going to be like sort of kitschy, sort of like um, almost like Branson, Missouri, which is, I don't know, almost like Gatlinburg, I guess you could also say. Um, but it wasn't. It was really cool, and there were Badland, um, the Badlands, Wind Cave, Mount Rushmore. Um, we also went to the Minuteman Missile National Historic Site, which was a really interesting and really new, awesome museum that I believe was also free. Um, free, free for us, at least, because we had our pass. But Custer State Park, um, which you'll drive through, I think, if you go to Wind Cave. So if you stop at the park, you have to pay, I believe. But if you just drive through, you don't have to pay. So that's kind of what we did. Um, yeah, so really cool national park sites here in in and around the Rapid City, South Dakota area. Yeah, that you we forgot. Loved. You forgot Jewel Cave. Jewel Cave, which we went to, and then we didn't. But we didn't have. We missed out on the um, the all the tours because we were had too late booked. in the day. We were too yeah. late in the day, but we went and we read about it. It was not as cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the bottom line for this episode is that camping in the national parks, very special experience. There are lots of different options, but there's just nothing like the feeling of falling asleep, you know, with the sounds of the crickets or, you know, the wildlife outside your door waking up and seeing the stars outside or crawling out of your tent and just seeing the sun glowing uh, still under the horizon. Uh, Just... Just lots of really special memories for us, and I know for you all, hopefully, when you go camping as well. Okay, so thank you for checking us out today and hearing us ramble on and on about all of the National Park's camping options, which I know you've heard us talk about before, so thanks for sticking with us if you're still with us. We'll be back next week with some tips for weighing your pricier options in the parks featuring our experiences at two parks in the priciest state we visited, which was Alaska. So join us as we chat about our conflictions at Glacier Bay and Denali. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, or find us on social media at Switchback Kids. And you can always get additional national parks, videos, posts, and guides on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. out.